a few, um, maybe a month or so ago, I heard our pastor say something about me, and I thought, I think he just called me a clown. I wasn't sure, but he, it was a, he used the word anecdote. And I thought from the Reader's Digest that that's just, you know, silly jokes and stories. I didn't realize it was a word that meant something more than that about true little stories. So I said, okay, I can deal with that. Uh, but you ever think you hear something and then you have to start questioning what you think you heard uh, to find the truth of the matter? So... In measure, what Pastor said was accurate, but my accounting of the story from yesterday is a little bit different. Um, uh, Pastor called me, and he was filling me in on some of the little things that were going on and uh, uh, being at the hospital, and they're going to meet with the doctors. And uh, he, asked me to, uh, he asked me to preach, and my mind went right to this. I think a preacher is in uh, camel hair raiment eating grasshoppers and, and wild honey, and that's my vision of it. And I said, well, I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't preach. I'm, I can just get up here and talk to people and tell them what God's done in my life and some things like that. Um, and Pastor, he went on to explain, you know, the business of the week and all these different things going on. And I said to him, now this is where my memory might be a little different. I said to him, well, if you don't have time to prepare, or, you know, and you, you're not going to be fully where you feel the Lord would have you to be, what about me? I mean, this is just, this is, I'm not going to be able to start preparing until Saturday night or something. And he goes, well, I'm the pastor and, and, you know, people come to expect a certain thing from me. And he said, you're a layman. It's not going to disappoint him. And I'm like, that's not a confidence builder at all. So I like, where do you go from that point on? It's just, it's all downhill. I'm glad that my my ego is at least intact and strong enough, and maybe it's my faith in the Lord just to be like, all right, so I'm I'm okay in this still. So so the pastor did he did ask that, and and that was what I heard, pastor. I'm sorry, but that's how I heard it. Uh, but then, so last night I'm I'm wanted to sit down, and I get down to my office and. Uh, well, let me go back a little bit. Saturday morning, I'm usually up by about 5 a.m. I like to get downstairs and give myself about an hour and a half or so before I have to leave for work. Uh, and I get to read and just sit there with the Bible down in my office. On Saturdays and Sundays, I sleep in. Uh, I'll usually get up at 6.30, so I have a few hours before Sunday school to go over some things. And uh, this morning, I decided I was going to sleep in until 6.45. Yes. So, um, but yesterday, I get up. And I'm reading through, we're going to be, if you want, you can turn there, but we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5. So yesterday morning, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I love to have a notebook when I'm reading the Bible, just for little thoughts that come up, or something the Lord does, or some impression the Holy Spirit gives me. And uh, I'm, I'm reading the Word of God, and I get to uh, this area of 2 Kings 5, and I wrote down uh, 2 Kings 5 and the word message, and just wrote myself a couple little notes, and just had them there. And then uh, when Pastor, I, I really did yesterday morning when, I, when that happened, I, uh, I said, Lord, why would you give me that? Because there are times where the Lord will give me a message and I'll know. And other times it's just something I write down to have for some point in the future. So yesterday morning, the Lord was already preparing uh, all of this scenario because he knows the end from the beginning. He knew exactly what would take place. Um, so that was yesterday morning, then I talked to Pastor, and then about 4 o'clock I finally texted Pastor and said, well, listen, I, I really did it because I felt like I have to give him an answer. I can't just keep him hanging. 
And I said, um, uh, I really just feel that I should say yes to you so you don't have to think about this. And he texted me back and said, well, you know, I'll have a backup plan just in case. I thought, go with the backup plan, please. You know, don't, don't just rely on this. But, uh, so then I, I sit down last night to work on, on my uh, life group lesson. And the, the verse for my life group lesson today that we were focused on was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I'm like, where do I go? It's just that. So uh, one of the things I noticed about uh, the men who have practiced standing in the pulpit, they know how to get a drink of water while they get you to do something else. Um, so if everybody looks down at chapter 5 for a second. <laughs> but um, my reading of the Word of God is never from a historical context, never for... I'll be careful here. Yes, I want to rightly divide the word of truth. I want to see the word of God. Everything I read, I don't care what it is. The bad part about it is uh, there's a verse that talks about and all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And that echoes in my mind when I'm reading through lists of names and all of that, that every name is there and it's important. And I read them begrudgingly many times, but I do. Uh, But I'm always looking for, is there something I should do? Is there something I shouldn't do? Is there some area of faith that God will increase? Is there there, uh, some aspect of life that I could uh, get some guidance and wisdom on? Sometimes it's very personal decisions that I see. Oh, there it is, right there. There's the answer. I like to be able to go to the Scriptures and point exactly at a verse that the Lord has challenged me about and say, I remember in, nine, uh, in the year 2000 when you challenged me about this thing right here uh, in Proverbs and it's still going on and Lord, I still need to trust you. And when, we, when my, weak, my faith gets weak, I can look back at that verse, take me back to that time. So I'm always looking through the word of God, reading every area, whether it's uh, something from Ruth or the book of Revelation. What is it that I can learn? What is it that I can see? What is it that I can do and not do to uh, uh, add to anything other than Lord It's our reasonable service. Help me to be Christ-like in spirit. Let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would really just settle my spirit. I know what you gave me. And Lord, help me to, uh, I'll speak it, but Lord, that the Spirit of God would grab a hold of each and every heart here. Maybe there'd be one little thing, uh, one little comment that gets made uh, that would be a help to someone here. Uh, Lord, if there's some here tonight who haven't been saved yet, Lord, I pray that you would stir their heart about things that are right and pleasing with you and their need of Christ as their Savior. We thank you for all that you do, and I thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look with me here in uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, many of us would be, you're familiar with the account uh, of Naaman, the captain of the host of Syria. He was the leper, and then we have the, uh, the young uh, maid and uh, all of these different People, But as I looked through this yesterday, and as I saw this, I want us to, to take note of a few different little things. Uh, and look at verse 1. Let me read this. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man, uh, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Anytime I read things like that, I'm like, okay, well, Lord, how does that, how does that apply? Because there's something there for me. Uh, every bit of it. And what I saw here in this first verse was that God uses whomever he chooses. 
you think about this, at this point, this is a, a, an unsaved man. He's not following the, uh, the God of Israel, uh, and God uses him. And it says, it tells us right there that he was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord was doing a work. And I want us to see that God uses whomever he chooses. Uh, it was in this room, we were on a Friday night, and I had just uh, had a builder who we had built multiple houses for, 35 or 40 houses with. And in one day, he just got rid of us, just like that. And it was, it was sort of devastating to me, and I was like, Lord, what do I do? What happened? All this that took place. And during this Friday night meeting, there was a lady sitting about over where Joanna is, and we were talking about different things, and she stood up, and it was an appropriate time. And, and she mentioned how she had learned recently that there are sometimes that God breaks up relationships and takes them apart, and sometimes we have to just be content with that. And the Spirit of God said to me at that moment, that lady is talking directly to you. I wanted you to hear that. And it was just a, something she learned, but it was something I needed to hear that day. And, and not was she being a preacher? No, but she was proclaiming to me a truth of the word of God. Uh, and I want you to know that God uses whomsoever he will. In Job chapter 9 and verse 12, it says, Who can hinder him? Who will, stay, or who will say unto him, What doest thou? We don't, I love the story of the woman taken into adultery, not because of the act, not because of anything else other than the grace of God. You think about it, and what were the religious people saying? Stoner, stoner, let's stone her to death. And Jesus said, no, that's not going to take place. Why? Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? They didn't say a word unto the king of kings. It's amazing to me. God uses whomsoever he chooses. Wherever you are in life, whatever capacity you are, you've got an ability to be used by God if you'll just allow him to do that. And if you look a little bit, first, a little bit further, this great man, this honorable man, a mighty man, was physically infirmed. Uh, his limitations didn't limit him. That's what I love about it. Uh, we find over and over in scriptures when limited men get to their end, uh, but they're still not finished, they're now at a place, when you get there, when you're at that place where you've done everything you can do, you've gone as far as you think you physically can go, and you've carried yourself as far as you can, watch God take over. Watch God then start doing a work above all that you're able to ask or think. Just those little areas, these little things that we do, and God is always able to take it and make it more and more and bigger and better. Not because of us, it's because of him. Um, the next thing, look, at, uh, look here at verse um, number 3. It says, uh, we have this little maid, or let me read you verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto the mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. We see that God is able to use anyone that he chooses to. This great man had, had a physical infirmity, and God was using him in despite of that, and he was doing great things and being used of God in that area. And God has called each and every one of us to uh, be an example uh, and to be careful in those areas of things that we cannot do without him. There's so much that we can I find that in my Christian life, there's not a thing that I can do without him. Well, I, I can sin without God. And that's pretty straightforward. Uh, but there's so much of life, we just say, Lord, I need you. And the further I go along in the Christian life, it becomes more and more, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. 
Lord, I need you. Uh, it's almost like it's a, uh, a comp- constant uh, part of my prayer request is, Lord, I need your presence. It's thy presence I need is one of my favorite prayers. That's simply that. It's thy presence I need. So God has called each and every one of us, no matter where we are, uh, to do a work that we cannot do without him. Uh, we need him in every aspect. I want you to see a couple little things here in these verses that I see about this uh, little maid. Uh, first, uh, I saw in her this, this spirit that just stood out. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And what I thought here was she's got a spirit that I called a Joseph spirit. Maybe it would even be like a Paul spirit if we look at the New Testament today. And this Joseph spirit was one. He's hated by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused of a vile behavior. He's imprisoned yet innocent. And what did he say to his brothers? God meant it unto good. Here's this young girl, and I thought, she's got a spirit like Joseph. She was taken captive by these people. She's here now serving in a family, uh, uh, serving the, uh, um, who was it, the uh, Naaman's wife. She's waiting on Naaman's wife, and what does she do? She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. I believe this little maid served her captors faithfully, She served them sincerely, and she served them humbly. But what happens when we're in a difficult spot? How do we serve? How do we act? Are we, are we, is it all of a sudden that our, the hair on the back of our neck is up and we're bristling and we're angry and we've got that, uh, you know, I think it's in uh, Genesis chapter 5 where the Lord said to, uh, who killed who? Cain killed Abel, and he said, Cain, why is thy countenance fall? And basically, you know, what's, what's with your face? What's, what's with the sadness or the mad, that mad look on your face? But we know that the Lord looks at the heart. Let me ask you tonight is how do you handle adversity? How do you handle trouble? How do you handle difficulty? Uh, this morning I mentioned it in the life group that it's okay to ask God to remove a problem from your life. But I, I had somebody, uh, I, there's a, a, a lady who comes to our church, her husband doesn't come here, and every now and then I'll go and we've got a, a friendship of sorts, so I'll get over there to see him. And, and one of the things he told me tremendously impacted my life over this past year. And that was, uh, instead of asking the Lord to take this problem away, how about asking the Lord to make me Christ-like within the problem? And when we're Christ-like within a problem, within a difficulty, it catapults us forward in an area of faith and in an area of growth and all of those different things. And I believe this little maid served her captors faithfully, sincerely, and humbly. And just a moment, I'm going to show you why uh, I said that. And why did I say or you know, that she did this uh, faithfully, sincerely, and humbly? And my thought was that when she spoke... People listened. It says here, and she said unto her mistress in verse 3, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And right away, what happened? And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus, said the maid, that is in the land of Israel. People listened when she spoke. But when, we, when you and I are difficult, when we're disagreeable, when we're angry with our voice, um, you know what I have when people are like that with me? I want to hear a thing they have to say. I want to shut them off right away. And I think that the spirit by which this young captive girl behaved was a tremendous example and testimony to those around her of the grace of God. Because Joseph lived like that. Paul said he learned to be in whatsoever state he is. There have I learned to be, was it content? 
And he talks about all these things. And what if we were just to have a little bit of that kind of a spirit where nothing really ruffled us? And there's emotional things that we can't get over, but, but there's character things that we can uh, let be revealed. The little maid lived a, a, a very mature version of what I call childlike faith. Childlike faith. She had no doubt. She had no hesitation. She just had an expectation, and she displayed a very deep view of a very powerful God. She said, this is what's going to happen if you can get him over to uh, the prophet. Now, she knew it wasn't the prophet. She knew that it would be God who was going to do that work, and people listened to her. It had to be a tremendous testimony on her behalf to see all those turn, and immediately the, the, the wife listens, the servants listen, and she gets to the king. And that's what happened in verse 5. Uh, it says, And the king of Syria said, uh, said, Go to, go, I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him the ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And what I saw here in this young, in this uh, little maid, the Bible calls her, was that her faith moved an ungodly king. And you don't know what your acts of faith are going to do for those around you. Uh, Pastor mentioned some of those things this morning, but as we're, as we're allowing the light of God's word to change us and the light to shine more and more, it's having an impact on those people around us. Her, her faith moved an ungodly king. Uh, what impact is our display of faith having? Uh, can we move anybody around us with our displays of faith, or are we just sort of the laughing stock because we're so inconsistent and, uh, and, and unsteady in our ways? Look with me, if you will, at verses uh, uh, 6 and 7. It says, And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, uh, wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. We look at these things and we see God using this, this, uh, this, at this point, this ungodly captain of the host, uh, and being moved by God and used by God. And then we see this little maid and, and the, uh, example of life that she's living and how it's having an impact on the people around her. And I wonder what, what reaction you and I have. We see the reaction of this king, but what reaction do you and I exhibit when the unexpected uh, falls into our lap. We can't, uh, we can't always help the emotion that comes with hearing something unexpected, but I think we can be careful about the, uh, the character that's exposed uh, during that. I've learned more and more, um, believe it or not, that there's times where I just have to close my mouth and wait. When I, seriously, when I heard that, uh, Pastor said that that day about that word anecdote, I didn't know what it meant, and I, I was like, all right, I'll just look in the dictionary later and find out what that word meant, and if it was something that I didn't like, I'd go talk to him in private, but I could have just yelled, what are you doing making an example of me? No, 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 no. Calm it down, and, and let's just let's look. The Bible talks about love thinketh no evil. Don't think anything like that. But what happens, I ask you, what happens when the unexpected comes into your life? Picture this. I have in my mind's eye that this, uh, you know, I don't know how easy it was to tear a garment in those days. You know, uh, 
Sometimes I try and tear things. Other times I walk by something with my suit jacket and I rip the pocket off. It's like, how does this stuff happen? But this, this king tore his clothes and in, I, and in my mind's eye, I can, I can picture him uh, proclaiming, am I God to kill and make alive? These people are just looking for a fight. And the response would be, I, my thinking would be, well, then give them a fight. You know, that's how we respond. Somebody says something to us on kind or, or in something we don't understand and boy, we're ready right to jump back down their throat. Uh, and we want to be very careful about that but I can hear that and like I said before we can't always control the emotion of an unexpected announcement but at, uh, that's the time that our character uh, can be displayed and I think what we see next in this area with this king it should have been I'm surprised because you think about it the ungodly king sends this Naaman to Israel to be healed by the God of Israel see the prophet and the king of Israel he doesn't send him to the prophet. He gets out of, he gets bent out of shape and he goes to the opposite direction, which is not what I would have expected. Um, why didn't he send him to the man of God right away? And sometimes you think about that. That happens amongst here at the same time. We have a problem. We get all bothered and we get all upset and, and, there's a time where we have to get our emotions under control and walk through that. I get my emotions can get twisted and my spirit can get out of sorts. But I've found that quiet down, calm down, think through this process a little bit. Lord, you get my spirit right, and I'm not going to say anything until it gets right. Once I get my spirit right, one of the first things I want to do is call the man of God. I want to call my pastor. But what happens oftentimes is we get all bent out of shape and, and our spirit's out of whack for anything that's going on in our life. And... The pastor hears about it three days later, and he has to call you. No, let's be like, let's be like the faith of that little young one and said, no, let's, let's get him to the prophet. Let's get him to the man of God. And I know the, the roles aren't the same, but it's that let's do that. Let's, let's, let's start relying on the, the man that God has put here to care for us and to love us and to challenge us and, and to, if we have to, chastise and, and you know, rebuke and all of those things. You can't control your emotions. You can't control every emotion that you're going to feel, but you can, re- you, can, you can control your response to them. Plan to pray. You know, here's the um, plan to pray. The thing I like about surprises is that they're only a surprise to me. They're not a surprise to God. They're never a surprise to God. I've told you before, that time, Pastor Brown, I was talking and complaining about something, and he's like, well, Jim, do you, do you think anything took about you takes God by surprise? And I said, yeah, until you said that. I thought everything took God by surprise about me. And he's like, no, it's not the case. Nothing. Nothing comes across our path without God knowing it. So when there's a difficulty, I get phone calls that sometimes it's family, sometimes it's a friend or something else that, that can upstir, stir up my spirit. I, have to, I really do. I'm like, Lord... Help me to recognize that you already knew this was coming. He knows the end from the beginning. So we want to watch that. Plan to pray. Nothing takes God by surprise. Settle your overflowing emotions and reach out to those around you whom God has placed in that place. Um, we want to be very careful in those areas because God has put someone around you. He has put friends who care about you in church and, and relationships that you've got. Uh, look at... Uh, Where are we in verse? uh, Look at verse 8. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. 
And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, uh, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, uh, uh, his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Uh, are not uh, Abana and Parfar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in his rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Pastor had mentioned this morning that doing the revealed will of God, he talked about the light, and as we see the light of the word of God, and then we, God gives us a little bit more. Um, and in this very thing, while we're waiting on the specific will of God, I would ask you tonight, uh, how are you handling the simple tasks that God has put before you? Uh, there's simple little things that we can get involved in. Uh, and how are you handling what seems to you to be an insignificant task when God's plan uh, for you to complete that task is that we learn line upon line, we learn precept upon precept, we learn here a little and there a little, and what may appear to you to be a simple task or a simple item not worthy of your time may be the life-changing event that God is waiting for you to take part in. That simple little task, whatever it might be, might be the catalyst for change in every aspect of your life. I see that here. I don't know how uh, fully the end of, of, of events get impacted by others, but think about this. This, this, this faith of this young little maid, had all of these impacts on those people around her. We don't know the end of the story. We don't know how many people outside of that. We know that it changed Naaman. It changed him in two ways. Uh, it says, and he returned after he went and washed. He finally did that little thing, and that little thing changed everything about him. On the outside, it healed the leprosy. On the inside, look at here. It says, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Jump down to uh, 17. And Naaman said, uh, uh, the prophet had said no. And Naaman said, shall, the, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto the unto other gods but unto the Lord. In this, and then he says, in this thing the Lord pardon thy servant that... Uh, when my master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon. When I bow uh, down myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And I thought, we don't know the end of the story, and God didn't give it to us, and maybe he didn't. I just don't know where it is at this point. But here we have this, this ungodly captain, but he's being used of God, and he doesn't even recognize that he's being used of God, who the faith of this young girl and the behavior and all those little things that he had to do, and we get to this point where he now now says, I know that there is no other God other than Jehovah, the God of Israel. And to me, that's, that's an amazing difference when this little maid and her childlike faith had an impact on everyone around her. I'm done, and I don't know how to close out messages and stuff. 
that's where you leave those things to the pastor and the preacher. But there's some areas here that it's really questions for each one of us. How do you handle those things that come about unexpectedly? Do you understand that God can use every single person around you, but he wants to use you? It's, it's, you're the child of God that he wants to use. Uh, he, wants you to, he wants you to have that character of that little maid, that childlike faith in a, in a mature uh, avenue. He uses who he chooses. He does all this work, and we need him desperately. Let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would take for me what were some simple thoughts and maybe a little bit all over, but Lord, you can do a work. And oftentimes it's just if I grab one little item, if I've learned one little thing, one little change, that might be just that change that catapults my Christian life forward uh, in service to you, in honor of the King, uh, Father, in obedience to our Lord and Lord's. And we're grateful for all that you do. My Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.